Abraham, who Abram's land at the intersection of Thickwood and Timberley is named after, had to make a difficult choice before he became the father of the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. Living with a lot of wealth and the comforts that come from the wealth of the city of Ur in the land of the Chaldeans, he had to decide whether to leave all of that comfort and wealth behind to follow God to some unknown land that God would show him. The promise was he would become the father of many nations, uh, particularly the father of a people God would choose to bless the world through the Jewish people. Abraham said yes. It was a great reset that turned his life upside down. And today he is a, re a revered figure in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And because he said yes, he became what we sort of describe as, as the start of the ancestral line that saw Jesus, God's son, our savior, born into our world. Friends, a tough decision led to a great reset in Abraham's life that totally changed his life and the life of others for the better. Last week, we talked about the reset that happened in Naomi's life as found in the Old Testament book of Ruth. <clears throat> Ruth, a Moabite woman, uh, also made a huge and difficult choice, a choice that led to a great reset in her life, uh, um, that sent her life in a whole new direction in the midst of the pain of the death of her husband, she chose to remain with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Rather than return to the familiarity and security of her own people, she chose to stay with Naomi and care for her. This is where you get these well-known words of loyalty, loyalty and commitment. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. These are the words uh, of Ruth. Uh, to her mother-in-law, Naomi. This choice, this reset to Ruth's life took her to Bethlehem in Judea, where in her poverty, she gleans leftovers and crops in the field of Boaz, who was related to Naomi. And, and Boaz is attracted to Ruth, marries Ruth, and through a complicated set of Near Eastern family rules, this marriage allows Boaz to restore Naomi's family inheritance from her lost husband and provide for her financially. It's a wonderful Old Testament romance story, like I said last week, better than anything on the Women's Network, just saying. Ruth's choice to embrace a new identity as she chose to make the God of Israel her God totally blesses her and Naomi. And in the process, Ruth becomes part of the genealogy that leads to King David and ultimately to Jesus Christ. Again, a tough decision led to a great reset in Ruth's life that totally changed her life and the life of others around her for the better. And then there's Old Testament David who, who made a bold, courageous decision while still a young shepherd to, to face the giant Goliath, trusting in God's strength to empower him. That, deci that decision led to David's victory over Goliath that totally reset his life and led him on a path that saw him rise to become the king of Israel. The story of David takes up a, a large part of the Old Testament and, and is found in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles. David himself wrote the majority of the book of Psalms and he too was part of the genealogical line that leads to the birth of Jesus. A tough decision 
led to a great reset in David's life that totally changed his life and the life of others around him for the better. I mean, it wasn't all easy for David, but the impact of his life and leadership is truly profound. All three, Abraham, Ruth, David, made some difficult, very tough decisions that totally reset their lives and sent their lives on a totally new direction, a, a new adventure of making a difference in the world for the glory of God. And in the process, they experience what it means to live life to the full. And if you want to learn how to live life to the full, if you want to experience living life to the full, take a look at, at the lives of people like Abraham, Ruth, and David. Friends, the reset that leads to the life transformation we yearn for and on to the adventure that God has for us always starts with a choice. It, it always starts with a choice. And sometimes it's a difficult choice. Throughout this series on life change, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit on material from Rick Warren, and he says, changing always starts with choosing. Until you start making some choices, nothing's going to change in your life. Hey, the truth is, your ability to choose, your, your ability to make moral choices is one of the greatest gifts that God has given you. It's part of being created in God's image. This ability to make moral choices is what makes us different from animals. I mean, animals do not make moral choices. They don't understand right and wrong. Rather, animals have instincts instead of the ability to make moral choices. Now, your choices shape your life more than your circumstances do. Let me say it again. Your choices shape your life more than your circumstances do. You can overcome circumstances. Anyone can overcome circumstances by making good choices. Friends, you can change. You can reset your life by making good choices with the help of the Holy Spirit. Our God wants to help us in this. And this choice, it happens in our minds. So it means you have to work at shaping a healthy mind so that you can make healthy, life-transforming choices. I'm talking choosing what you think about, choosing what you allow into your mind. The Apostle Paul says it this way, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When you let God transform you, that's a reset. God would say to you and me, I will change your life when you let me change the way that you think. And so you and me, we, we have a choice. Well, we let God change the way that I think. So let's get real practical and look at a couple of things that we can do, uh, maybe a couple of exercises that will strengthen our mind and keep it healthy so that we can make good life-transforming choices. Number one, every day I must choose to feed my mind with healthy, life-giving thoughts. Every day. I must choose to feed my mind with good thoughts, with the best thoughts. The Apostle Paul has some great insight into uh, what kind of thoughts you need to feed uh, yourself every day. Brothers and sisters, fill your minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, beautiful, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worth praising. Now, to be honest... Does that list of uh, things to think about accurately describe what you typically think about most of the time? I don't think so. If you're honest, right, the, the answer is no. This is something you have to train yourself to do. 
You have to train yourself to think thoughts that are pure, that, that are beautiful, that are right, that are true, that are noble, that are admirable. Think thoughts that are lovely. Think thoughts that, are, that just bring peace to my life. This is your, cho- this is your choice. You, you choose that. You do. You, but it takes work, intentional work. Here's the deal. Listen carefully. Don't quickly throw out what I'm about to say. Uh, Please think about it, ponder it, and then act on it seriously. There is an uncomfortable choice that you have to make if you really want to have a healthy, life-giving mind, a life-transforming mind. You need, at least most of us do, most of us need to limit our media intake, social media, TV, because what's there for the most part does not represent things that are true, noble, right, pure, beautiful, admirable, excellent, and, and praiseworthy, right? I, I'm not saying you eliminate all this, but you monitor what you're watching, what you're taking in, and you put on the brakes and start to limit some of the stuff that you fill your mind with. If you're at all serious about letting God transform your life, If you're all serious about getting a fresh fresh start in some part of your life, it's likely that the most practical thing that you can do would be to unplug your TV for a while and stay off of social media and internet for an an extended period of time and, and then go back to it on a more limited basis. What we're talking about is developing a healthy mind. It's going to take hard work, hard work. Think about it this way, kind of like uh, scales with on one side of the scale, you got the good news, the gospel, the, the truth of God's word on one side, and, and then on the other side of the scale, kind of the junk and the poison that we often find in places like social media, the internet, and TV. Look at it this way. If you came to church every single Sunday, you'd get about an hour or so to put on the positive side of the scale. But if you go and watch maybe one, two, or three hours of network TV or listen to political podcasts every night, it just doesn't balance out, does it? If you read your Bible maybe five or or ten minutes every day and and then spend hours scrolling on social media, browsing the internet, and, and you're in front of the screen one way or another, your life is out of balance and it's just not gonna work. I bet already most of you are tuning me out, right? I'm being unreasonable. But you really need to evaluate and monitor your media intake and your kids' media intake. You all know that this is true, you do, but it's so hard because you're hooked, right? That means you gotta make a commitment to lower the amount of stuff you're putting into your mind from the world that's all around us. And then you increase the amount of time you give to listening to God's word, participating in worship, learning about what is taught in the scriptures, spending time with God personally. King Solomon would say this to us, a wise person is hungry for truth while fools feed on trash. I love that. A wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on on trash. So who do you want to be, the the wise person or the fool? At, At the start of a new year, people make a lot of commitments to get their bodies healthy and strong. There's a I mean, that's a great but tough decision, right? And sadly, most don't follow through. But if they did, the difference would be huge. So how are you doing on that? Same is true of your mind. You need to be disciplined about your mind. Being disciplined with your mind will impact you spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. 
You can know a lot about your spiritual condition, about your emotional health, about your mental health by looking at your mental diet. What's on your mental diet? Hours of talk radio style podcasts, hours of cable news or hours of TV, hours of social media, hours of internet trolling, dissing and disregarding, pontificating and putting down everyone else. Hey, hours of social media can become a diet of just poison, right? Of junk food. It's not health food, right? The question is, am I being wise or foolish with what I allow in my mind? So it really all depends on what you're allowing in. Jesus says the same thing. People need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. We're talking about the Bible here. The Bible is food for your soul. And not just your soul, your entire being. If you're not feeding on the word of God every day, the truth is you're starving to death spiritually. It's not like, well... I go to church on Sunday and, and I get this huge, this awesome banquet there and then I fast for the next six days and, and I don't get any of God's word in my life. Going to church is great. It helps. It helps a lot. It's just that it's not enough. You need to connect with God, spend time with him in prayer and reading the Bible every day. If you don't, you become spiritually, even mentally malnourished. It's no wonder you get under stress, under pressure, and get depressed and discouraged because you're not feeding your mind in a way that nourishes your soul. Again, listen to Jesus. If you continue in my word, that means you are constantly putting it in your mind, thinking about it. If you continue in my word on a daily basis, then you are truly my disciples. And he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that's a pretty amazing and powerful claim. So my question now is, is my current media consumption creating freedom or frustration? Jesus says, when you know the truth, it will make you frustrated. No. He says, when you know the truth, it will make you free. So if you're feeling free, then you're getting a lot of God's truth in your life. If you're feeling frustrated, you're getting a lot of the world's truth in your life. And most of you know that what I'm saying is right, but still you have not made a commitment to live this way. This is where the truth of Jesus is both tough and liberating. You are not doing it because quite simply it's tough. Yes, the truth of Jesus here is tough, but friends, it is life-giving. It is liberating. If you would choose to fill your mind with, with truth, you would experience a great reset in your life that would open your life up to the work of the Spirit who wants to transform you for the better. You would be set free. And how do you think about this truth and let it wash your mind? King David said this, Oh, how I love your teachings. I think about them all day long. If you're thinking about God's word, his teachings all day long, then you're not going to be worrying. You're going to be worshiping. Make sense? In the same psalm, David goes on to say, I wake up early in the morning and cry out to you. I hope in your word. That's talking about what some of us call an early morning quiet time. I mean, it doesn't have to happen in the morning. It's just that for the majority of people, that is the best time. I hope. In your word. Hope, where does hope come from? Well, it comes from the over 7,000 promises in God's word, the Bible. Read and pray those promises in God's word and, and your life will change. But this is a choice. It is a 
tough choice, friends. It is a disciplined choice. The choice is, every day, I choose to feed my mind with healthy, life-giving thoughts. Every day, I spend time in God's word, the Bible. Every day, I think about God's truth throughout the day. It's a choice. It's a discipline. It's a discipline that over time will reset your life and change it for the better. It will also make living with you, by the way, a whole lot better. Doing this will make you a better person who people love to be with. Yes, even your family. You can do this if you choose to. One more choice you need to make in order to to position your life uh, for the reset uh, you need in order to position your life for the Holy Spirit to do the work he wants to do in your life. The second choice is, I must choose every day to free my mind from destructive thoughts. I have to choose to free my mind. This again is a choice. This is a decision that you must make. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now I want you to see in that verse that Paul talks about dominated and being controlled. You either let this world and the devil dominate your thinking or you choose to allow the Spirit of God to put his thoughts into your mind, thoughts that are life-giving to you. And friends, you do know that the evil one is able to put thoughts into your mind. He is able to influence you through this world, social media. He can whisper right into your mind or you can allow the spirit of God full access to your mind. It's, It's a choice. And here's the point. Your mind must be liberated. Your mind needs to be delivered. Your mind needs to be released. Your your mind needs to be set free. Why? Because otherwise it's dominated by all those wrong things. It needs to be set free. Now, this isn't easy because there are three forces. I'll call them three enemies around you that battle in your mind against your good intentions and none of these three enemies give up ground easily. You must fight to free your mind. What are the enemies? Well, there are three enemies that want to put wrong thoughts in my mind. First is your old nature. My old nature. Let's let the Apostle Paul speak to this. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Friends, you you have an old nature. This is who you were before you became a Christian. It is still at work in your life now that you are a Christian. Your nature, old nature, is the power within you that is at war with your mind. Your old nature wants you to think wrong thoughts. Somebody puts you down and you want to put them down, right? The truth is, often you find yourself doing things that you don't want to do. I mean, have you ever, ever knowingly engaged in self-defeating behavior? Yes. And you knew it was bad for you when you did it. But still, you did it anyway. Why? Because your old nature is not your friend. It's the source of all bad habits. That's the first thing working against you, your old nature. Second thing working against you is Satan. He's the second enemy. Now, the devil can't force you to do anything, but he can use suggestion, and he's continually planting negative thoughts in your mind about this person or that person or even about yourself. 
From the moment you wake up, he starts suggesting thoughts in your mind. Go ahead. You deserve it. Get angry with that person. Write something mean to them. Get even. How dare they say that about you? He's putting all those thoughts in your mind. I love this example of how the Apostle Paul works with this reality of Satan. He's talking, Paul's talking about a guy who has wronged him that he has forgiven. Listen to what Paul says. I've forgiven that man. So Satan won't outsmart us, for we're very familiar with his evil schemes. What Paul is saying is that he had to forgive this guy so that Satan couldn't establish a foothold in his mind. Did you know that any time, listen, any time you refuse to forgive anybody, you've just fallen for Satan's trap. He's got a foothold in your mind. Any area of your mind where you're holding on to bitterness, any area where you're holding on to resentment, jealousy, envy, you've already yielded that part of your mind to the devil. You've fallen for Satan's trap, and you need to take action to be free of this, free of the devil and his minions. So first, you have your old nature working against you, and then you have the devil working against you, and thirdly, the third enemy of your mind is simply the world's value system. I mean, you know that. It's what's promoted by social media feeds, movies, music, advertisers, TVs, today's celebrities, and sometimes even government. The Apostle John says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are of this world. Again, it's not that you block it all. It's that you filter it, you monitor it, you, you balance it with good, healthy stuff, with, with God's word, with, with time in God's word, with worship. You understand what comes from God and what does not. And you recognize that most stuff around you in this world, uh, yeah, it, it does not encourage you to do the right thing. A lot of stuff in this world is simply trying to get you to go the wrong way. And there's not a lot out there that is really encouraging you to be disciplined, not a lot that encourages you to be unselfish. So how do we fight this battle to free our minds from destructive thoughts? This is what the Apostle Paul says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's a whole lot in there. Hang on a bit. God gives us weapons to demolish negative and demonic strongholds in our mind, to demolish mental strongholds in our mind. This whole passage is about mental warfare. Spiritual warfare is mental warfare. It's in your mind. The battle for sin is won or lost in your mind. The battle for habits is won or lost in your mind. The battle for being Christ-like is won or lost in your mind. We tear down strongholds in our mind. What's that? A stronghold is a lie that I believe. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a lie that I believe about myself, about other people, about God. It can be a false value. It can be our world's value system, like hedonism, live for fun, live for pleasure. Materialism, live for money and live for things. Secularism, live for myself and make myself God. It could be a, a personal attitude. 
A stronghold could be worry. You could have a stronghold of worry in your life. You could have a stronghold of envy in your life. You, you could have a, a stronghold of resentment or pride or self-will. And these are strongholds. And we tear these down. This is a mental battle. How do we do this? We take captive every thought. Take captive. What does that mean? The Greek word that this word is originally written in literally means conquer, bring under control, capture. You're going to bring under control. You're not just going to let your mind run and let it go anywhere it wants to. You bring it under control. We make it obedient. And that's the other word. It's uh, hypokonin in Greek. It, it means to bring into submission. I just don't let my thoughts go anywhere they want to go. I bring them into submission to the truth of God's word. Okay. That sounds all well and good. So let me just make a little confession here, okay? Confession time. My thoughts don't always obey me, okay? My thoughts and my mind often rebel against what I want. My mind sometimes seems to have a mind of its own. My thoughts often go off in directions that I don't intend them to, by chance. Does this happen to anyone besides me, or is it just me, right? You don't always feel like you have control so that your mind just seems to go off in different directions. Now, I'm sure this never happens to any of you, but the reason that most people are ineffective and, and defeated in life is because they don't make the tough decision to fight the battle of the brain, the war that's going on in your mind. Friends, call on the Holy Spirit. With the help of the Spirit, you can take every thought captive. You can. First, you evaluate it. If it's good, you keep it. If it's bad, evil, destructive, or just not in alignment with God's ways, in Jesus' name, you renounce that thought. You call it a lie, and you replace that lie with the truth. You replace that thought with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, beautiful, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worth praising, right? You do a little replacement. With God's help, maybe getting other Christians praying with you, you can take your thoughts captive and make them submit to Jesus. You renounce the lies and you embrace the truth of God's word and you do that every day. You do that every time you recognize a bad thought for what it is. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, friends, you can do this. Okay, I've thrown a lot of it at you today. I get that. Kind of a fire hose of a message. You might want to listen to this again to really get it. For many of us, this really is important stuff. We started with the stories of Abraham, Ruth, and David. Each of them battled some choices, some decisions they needed to make in their mind, and they, they chose to live in alignment with, with what God was calling them to do and how he was calling them to live, and God used them so powerfully. To be able to reset your life like Abraham, Ruth, and David did, you have to make some good choices. You have to live in alignment with God's word. You have to respond to God's call in your life and say yes, just as they did. And there are two key choices that you must make every day. First, I must choose to feed my mind with healthy, life-giving thoughts, with God's thoughts, with God's words. And I need to think about those thoughts throughout the day. This is a daily discipline if I want to have a healthy mind. And God will help you do this if you keep his eyes on him.
And then the second thing, every day I must free my mind of destructive thoughts. Every day I must renounce the lies that I've let into my mind and replace those thoughts with God thoughts. I do that every day. In fact, I do that throughout the day. Let me close by asking you a simple question. How serious are you about changing your life, about resetting an area or all of your life? Are you serious enough to start limiting television, social media, talk radio style podcasts, and other stuff that fills you up so much that you're just not hungry for God's word? Are you serious enough to start reading your Bible every day? Uh, I'd pick the book of John to start with, or for some of you guys, maybe the book of Proverbs. I'd just start there. Hey, what we've talked about this morning um, is stuff that really you all know. But, but until you commit to doing it, it won't make any difference. And let me remind you, change always starts with choosing. Change always starts with choosing. Let's go to prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me in a moment and just ask God to do what you know you need to do. So as I pray, kind of pray this along with me. Father, you gave us our minds and you have given us the instruction on what to do with our minds. And now you just pray. Say, Lord, I realize that my thoughts shape my life. I, I, I realize that my mind is where the Spirit of God works in me. Father God, I, I cry out to you, I really want to change. Tell him that. And so I ask you to help me every day to choose to feed my mind with good stuff, the best stuff with your word. And I pray for your spirit to empower me to reject destructive thoughts and just to focus on you and the people around me who need you. Friends, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, that's a starting point. And just pray this with me. Let's pray again and you pray with me. Jesus, just come into my heart and mind. Fill me with your presence. Fill my mind, Lord, with your love, your grace, your mercy. I want to get to know you. I want to open my life up totally to you, and I'm asking you to help reset my life in a new direction. I humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.